Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. This week we dissect the Black Cap start to the summer. New Zealand is set to host some of the world's top athletes at a series of track and field meetings. Controversy continues to surround weightlifter Laurel Hubbard as she won medals at the World Championships. And New Zealand backs Russia's ban from the Winter Olympics. The New Zealand cricketers scored an emphatic innings victory over the West Indies in the first test in Wellington. And heading into the second game, there is no reason why that domination won't continue. I'm joined by RNZ Sports Editor and Cricket Reporter Stephen Hewson. Stephen, the Black Caps got up to speed qu- pretty quickly in that game. They, they did, Barry. I mean, uh, you might have thought that given they hadn't played Test cricket since March, that uh, they might be a bit, bit slow off the mark. Uh, but no, good to see. I mean, the West Indies, unfortunately, weren't much chop. They've, uh, they're sitting eighth on the Test World Rankings at present. New Zealand sit at fourth. Although, having said that, the Windies went into this series. They did have a test win over England uh, in England earlier earlier this year. Uh, they also had a test win over Pakistan. Um, so while they might be eighth, that possibly belies just where they, they could be at. They've got certainly got the talent, but they're inexperienced. And uh, unfortunately, that inexperience uh, sh- showed in that, that first test. They struggled, obviously. The, the big struggle was with Neil Wagner and his short-pitch bowling, which was... Unusual in the sense that they would have come into the series knowing that that's the way Neil Wagner bowls. You would have thought that they might have prepared for that better uh, because while he's a a pace bowler, he's not express. He's bowling at um, 135 kilometres an hour, which is not express pace in terms of test cricket. Uh, But it's that awkward angle and the skiddiness that he sort of comes at. Uh, I know the batting coach Stuart Law mentioned after one of the day's plays that that uh, it was the the uh, I suppose the uniqueness of the way that Wagner bowls that that got his batsman. They played him much better in the second innings, but even then um, it was all a bit too late by by that stage. Um, be interesting to see how they go in, in Hamilton uh, as to how they cope with it. Uh, particularly too, there might be a bit more um, swing and seed movement in Hamilton. There wasn't uh, that much in, in Wellington, and uh, it was very good batting batting track. But despite that, uh, the the Black Caps got home quite quite convincingly. I think uh, we should just touch on Neil Wagner again. His seven wickets in the first innings was the difference, really, in in the test. I, I often wonder if he was a few inches taller, what sort of fast bowler he would be. But obviously, with the stature that he is, he, he's just he's got it right. I see he's moved up to seven in the world rankings now in Test cricket. So, you know, he's a he's a he's a specialist Test bowler, isn't he? Absolutely, that that seven wickets for thirty nine that he got is actually the fourth best figures by a New Zealander in Test cricket. Uh, he sits only behind two two other people. That's Sir Richard Hadley and Chris Cairns. Uh, so, and like you say, his stature is not not big, but he's got a heart. He just keeps on going. He, you know, I suppose ideally made for for Test cricket in the sense that he just doesn't give up. Um, and that's exactly what. Uh, 
New Zealand or the Black Caps need because they're, they're still not a side that's ever going to threaten the top one or two test rankings, but they're a battling side, as they have been for historically for, for decades, and, and he fits that mould perfectly. Uh, he's, I imagine, one of the first people that uh, uh, Coach Mike Hesson and, and Captain Kane Williamson put down on, on the when they're naming their 11, he's one of the first people that they go, despite the fact he's a first-change bowler, not an opening bowler in particular, but he's got that battling ability, and they know that he's going to give 110% every time. Uh, it wasn't the greatest West Indies attack, but the Black Caps scored uh, two centuries, possibly should have been three, with Ross Taylor just missing out. And But they did. Kane Williams and only contributed a few, so that that's good as far as the batting's concerned. Yeah, I mean, uh, encouraging. Uh, like I said, you know, the West Indies aren't, aren't the force that they once were, sitting at eighth in the world. So it's hardly a, a, a really strong international bowling lineup. Uh, so in a sense, Kane Williamson will be disappointed that maybe he couldn't cash in there. Uh, Ross Taylor, I suppose he'll be disappointed in the sense that he got so close to another century. He, he's looking to uh, get past Martin Crowe's. Uh, Test total, I think it was 17 test centuries Martin Crowe scored, but that was uh, he was a, a close friend and Martin Crowe was a mentor to, to Ross Taylor and Martin Crowe said to Ross Taylor before he passed away that uh, one of the things he wanted him to do was, was pass the number of test centuries that he himself scored. Uh, so this was possibly an, an opportunity for that, that that's gone bigging. But yeah, uh, Tom Blundell um, on, on debut, uh, a, a test century and... Uh, just a, a cricket ball's throw from his old college, Wellington College, yeah, just across the road there from the Basin Reserve, and also a, a maiden test century for Colin de Gontheim. Um You know, that's uh, a good, good signs that, that they're getting getting some runs. But like I say, I suppose it's got to be tempered by the fact that, that the West Indies bowling attack, um, it, it, when we're talking top-flight international cricket, they're, they're, they're not, uh, not up there. And I suppose that the thing they've really got to worry about too for the second test in Hamilton is that Jason Holder, their captain's not, not there this time around, which is going to be a huge loss for them bowling-wise. He's uh, suspended for a test match because of um, a slow overrate from his side in that Basin Reserve test. Uh, and it's the start of the summer for the Black Caps, and uh, perhaps some better opposition to come. So we, you know, they shouldn't be trumpeting too much, perhaps. You think? Well, we've, it's, it's odd they've got uh, the the season's bookended by Test matches. So we've got the the two Tests against the West Indies start with, then no Test match cricket for uh, until the end of March, uh, when there are two Tests against. Uh, England, um, which one of which is the the first day night test in New Zealand, that'll be at Eden Park, and then the other test matches at, at Christchurch. Uh, it'll be inter- interesting to see how England is by that point, because obviously they're on a long Ashes tour. They've got then a one day series involving um, New Zealand, Australia, and themselves. Um, so that's sort of that's several months here. They're going to be on on the road. Um, so that'll be uh, interesting to see what state they're in. But obviously England are a different kettle of fish when it comes to the, compared to to the West Indies. Uh, the Black Caps, as you say, they go into one day in T20 mode now for um, the bulk of the summer. Um, and I imagine the West Indies will be a much more uh, competitive unit in the shorter form of the game because, of course, they get the, the likes of Chris Gale comes into the, the squad. Thanks, Stephen. Stephen Hewson, sports editor and cricket reporter. And you're listening to Extra Time. World Champion shot putter Tom Walsh and pole vault star Eliza McCartney were confirmed as the headline acts for the Athletics New Zealand International Series in March, just two weeks before the Commonwealth Games. The series will feature events in four different places, including Walsh's hometown Timaru, Christchurch, Auckland and the iconic Cook's Gardens in Whanganui. Sports reporter Clay Wilson caught up with Walsh and McCartney earlier this week. In his truly Kiwi style, Tom Walsh describes 2017 as one hell of a year. 
Probably fair enough when you consider, among other achievements, he did add a world championship crown to his increasingly impressive shot put CV. The 25-year-old got five weeks off at the end of his busy season, giving him the chance to throw his builder's apron back on and do a few days' work on his own almost completed house. But breaks for elite athletes are really too long, and ahead of a 2018 that includes a World Indoor Champs and Commonwealth Games, Walsh is already ripping back into training. At 6 foot 1 and around 120 kilograms, he somehow managed to add a backflip to his bag of tricks and says he won't be slowing down over the holiday period. A lot of people in the working world have time off over Christmas and New Year's. I, don't, I can't afford to do that. It's a very important time of year for me because you know, I've got a comp in late Jan to get ready for and uh, you know, it's, it's, I've just got to work right through it. The same is true for pole vaulter Eliza McCartney. 20-year-old McCartney thrilled the nation with her shock bronze medal at last year's Rio Olympics. But the end of her 2017 season was not so memorable, as she struggled with an Achilles injury that left her to settle for ninth at August's World Champs. McCartney's National Secondary School's record of 4 metres 10 was also broken at the weekend by teenager Olivia McTaggart, who shattered the previous mark by 20 centimetres. Despite that, McCartney says her rehab is tracking well, and she says this year's negatives will become positives in the long run. You've got to have those hard times to know what it is to have a good time and, and you've got to be able to get through those hard times so that you know how to, how to deal with them and how when they come up again, because they probably will, yeah. <laughs> let's face it, they'll come up again. So um, I think it's really valuable to have, been, have gone through it and luckily it wasn't such a major year this year so it didn't matter so much that I had to find my feet a little bit through injury. Walsh also battled injury issues in 2017 but says he's now back in tip-top shape. It bodes well for a big performance at the World Indoors, where he is defending champ, and the Commonwealth Games, where he is determined to go one better than his silver medal effort in 2014. Walsh says the New Zealand series will be ideal preparation for the Gold Coast, and he can't wait to host one of the events in his hometown. I'm sure that there'll be a few messages and a few phone calls to Sean, mate, about, uh, hey, hook a brother up, you know, and uh, get, me in the, get me into the hospitality kind of tables and things like that, but uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited to take a community event back to Timaru and, and involve the kids, involve the public in, in what I do. McCartney will also play host to an event, with the Vertical Pursuit Pole Vault competition on the move after its first edition early this year. The event will fittingly be held directly in the shadows of the Sky Tower, and Athletics New Zealand are hoping for a crowd of a thousand plus to create what should be a superb setting for some of the sport's best. McCartney has yet to set herself a specific target for the event, but says fans can expect all the athletes to be putting up some impressive numbers. Because it's so close to the Commonwealth Games, it's going to be my second to last competition before I head into the pre-camp before I go away. So it's, it's going to be a big one. It's going to, you know, you're going to want it to be going well and be ready because it's, it's, it's your last kind of test of how you're going to be going. So I think it's going to be really exciting to do it in such a cool atmosphere. We'll just make it even better. The series starts with the Timaru Supershot on March 14 and wraps up with the Sir Graham Douglas International in West Auckland 11 days later. Clay Wilson with that report. Another first for New Zealand weightlifter Laurel Hubbard this week as she became the first New Zealander to win medals at a Senior World Championships. Hubbard, who became the first transgender athlete named in a New Zealand Commonwealth Games team, won two silver medals in California. After that team was announced, fellow team member Tracy Lambrex admitted she wasn't happy about Hubbard being selected. I spoke with weightlifting New Zealand's high-performance director Simon Kent after Hubbard's success this week. She's shown this year throughout 2017, Barry, that um, she's got tremendous mental strength to be able to compete at the international level, starting back in, in March at the Australian International in Melbourne. 
and then following up that performance again in Australia at, uh, at the Commonwealth Championships on the Gold Coast, which uh, was um, you know effectively a test test run for next year's Commonwealth Games. Actually performed very well there. So this year's been a real build-up to this point, and then obviously going to the highest level in Anaheim and performing at World Championship level. Those previous experiences have, have held her in good stead. After the Commonwealth Games team was named, I know uh, there were some comments from some of the team members t- to us as well about you know mixed sort of views on Laurel's selection. Do you see there being any issue if, the, if there are ripplings within your, your squad at all going to the Commonwealth Games? Tracy wears her heart and her sleeve, and um, you know I had a conversation with her now, well, well over twelve months ago, around some of the choices that were in front of her. And Tracy ultimately embraced; she was given an opportunity with a new weight class being introduced to the sport, the ninety kilo class. So she was actually given an opportunity to to lose a bit of weight, drop into that weight class, which she's done fantastically. She was very close to competing at this world world championships, but narrowly missed the qualifications. So, look, I think. I wasn't there listening to the interview, but I think, you know, as I say, Tracy wears her heart in her sleeves. She's made a decision. She's moved on from that. And um, from my position as, as high performance director, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, that our team's going to come together and, and be united to to represent New Zealand in a, in a positive way in four months' time. Do you see your... Because you've got a number of... You know, a lot of weightlifters going there, haven't you? Um, that you'll all be one and, and you know, supportive of, supportive of one another? Yeah, very absolutely. We're um, even though we're an individual sport, uh, we very much see ourselves as a team of twelve at this stage that have been selected by the NZIC to, to represent New Zealand. So, yeah, absolutely, we're looking there to, to go there and, and you know really upheld our our organisational values, which which include showing some leadership, showing some real personal integrity, and ultimately being able to put put some really um, good performances on the platform that uh, hopefully the whole of New Zealand can be proud of. Is it a little bit uh, annoying or upsetting, perhaps, that, you know, no matter what Laurel perhaps does up on the stage, that, you know, there's always going to be people asking about um, sexuality and those sorts of things? Well, Barry, I think um, I think this is a pretty new conversation for, um, for society to have. And I'm a glass half full man, so I see the positivity that this is this is wider than sport. This is um, this brings to the forefront of, of what does it look like to... Um, to be a genuinely diverse and inclusive society. So I think um, what Laurel's doing in, in terms of pursuing a passion of, for her sport of weightlifting is is actually you know, bringing to the forefront and, and getting people talking about something that potentially wouldn't be at the forefront of discussion. So you know, I, I think it's um, I think it's overall it's a positive thing. That's Simon Kent from Weightlifting New Zealand, and this is extra time. New Zealand athletes and sports administrators have been overwhelmingly supportive of the International Olympic Committee's decision to ban Russia from February's Winter Olympics in South Korea. The IOC handed out the ban after they found evidence of an unprecedented systematic manipulation of the anti-doping system that has led to a series of suspensions from the country's athletes in recent months. I got reaction from New Zealanders connected with the Games. The Russian national anthem won't be heard in Pyeongchang next February. They topped the medal table in Sochi in 2014 with 13 golds, but that total was slowly cut as doping samples were retested and eventually the IOC felt that there had been an unprecedented, systematic manipulation of the anti-doping system. 
Drug-Free Sport New Zealand Chief Executive Nick Patterson says today's decision is all for the clean athletes competing at next year's Games and for all those athletes who have previously been beaten by a cheat. Patterson wants this decision to be a step forward. This isn't the international community saying we don't want Russia to play sport. We absolutely do want Russia to play sport. We want Russia involved in future competitions, but we need to make sure it's done on the right basis with an established anti-doping presence, with an established testing regime, so we know that their athletes are competing on the same basis as ours. There will be some Russian athletes competing in South Korea, and like Rio last year, they'll have to prove they're clean and had no links to any state-sponsored doping. The New Zealand men's alpine ski coach, Nils Koberger, accepts that the IOC probably had no other option. Koberger, the brother of New Zealand's only Winter Olympic medalist, Annalise Koberger, says doping at the Winter Olympics tends to involve the endurance events like cross-country. He's saddened that a number of innocent athletes, including those in his sport, alpine skiing, may not get to compete. We don't have a, a lot of history of doping or drug abuse, so I'm sure it's going to affect the alpine skiers you know, a lot. And I know the staff, there are a lot of European staff working for the Russians, and I'm sure they'll be, they'll be pretty gutted because it's just affected everyone in a blanket decision, but... There was probably no other course of action for the, for the IOC. But it's not just the athletes that the IOC wants to penalise. New Zealand BMX rider Sarah Walker is on the IOC's Athletes Commission and she says they're happy that the punishments will be more widespread. At the moment, if an athlete is caught cheating, it's only the athlete that is punished for that. So it was important to us that it was the entourage as well, so like the coaches, the, the medical staff, that had some kind of impact of what their involvement was as well. The initial response to come out of Russia has been one of condemnation of the IOC's decision. The president of the New Zealand Olympic Committee, Mike Stanley, expects Moscow to be defiant with the possibility of a boycott. You know, they haven't accepted those reports and um, and now been considering their options. At this point, it has been suggested there may be a Russian boycott of the event. We, as the IOC, believe that you know boycotts aren't very constructive and they haven't really worked in the past, so we would hope that wouldn't occur. New Zealand is expected to have about 15 athletes going to the Winter Olympics. And that's Extra Time for this week. You can subscribe to Extra Time for free on the RNZ website and get it delivered each week. You can also find us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.